Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M., joining me in studio, as always. You know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to get that conversation started, but the conversation never ends after the podcast. So, Pad, where should they go to continue on? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Check out the social media accounts. Check out the blog section. Check out the T Public store, which made some sales over the weekend. Thank you for everybody who was picking up some ODPH swag via the sale that was going on. Also, shout out to all our amazing patrons. You can also sign up Patreon. Link is right there, one tier, $2 a month. And there's a little something, something for our patrons this month as soon as they let me know what they're looking for. So if you're not signed up, it's a great way to get signed up. Uh, so there's so much going on at the website, man. It takes me a second to remember because we have so much happening because we've got the blog section. We have the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 530,000. Sounds about right to me. See, that's how big of a number it is that I forget how much is on the website, too, including the music section. Man, there's so much going on. Simply put, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show. We have to recap a wild night in Boston. Oh, yeah, it was. Which has now set the table for what proves to be on paper one of the most intriguing matchups of the NBA Finals in recent memory. Uh, I would have to say so, yeah. Because how these two teams got here has been an interesting journey, to say the least. Mm -hmm. The Denver Nuggets punched their ticket in. A while back. Yeah, they did a, and, a week and a half by the time the game one of the finals tips. Yes, so they will be fully rested after running through the Western Conference. Yeah. And with, obviously, Jotrik as the MVP and making his presence felt. I know it went to Embiid, but still, he's the MVP in my eyes because of what he's done in this playoffs. He is going to lead this team into a finals for the first time, and we're going to have to see how they match up because their opponents have been doing nothing but scrapping yeah. this entire run. Yeah. They're not supposed to be here. They weren't supposed to win last night as we are recording, but yet somehow, some way, the Miami Heat, led by Jimmy Butler, have punched their ticket to the finals. Mm -hmm. So we have to recap the end of that series first before we give our official NBA Finals preview. So, Pad, let us recap. Yeah, so you had Game 7 in Boston last night. Winner go home. Winner takes all for the Eastern Conference, uh, where you had the Miami Heat defeat the Boston Celtics 103-84. to uh, Your leading scorer for the Miami Heat, of course, Jimmy Butler, 28 points, uh, three steals, six assists, seven rebounds. And then on the flip side for the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, your leading scorer uh, with 19 points, uh, just one steal, five assists, and eight rebounds. Well, this story 
really has more to it, especially coming off game six, mm-hmm. which was one of the most dramatic finishes I've ever seen in sports. Yeah, I would say the videos of like the Heat fans doing watch-alongs on Twitch or whatever you know video streaming platform they decide to use. We're like, they get all hyped and excited, like, oh, yeah, we won the game. We won the game. We won the game. And then they come back to the screen. They're like, wait, what the fuck are they saying? I'm going to just give this little PSA to Miami fans. And I know my usual Buffalo Bills hatred comes out a little bit, but <laughs> but it's not meant to be here. Over the time of Miami basketball, we have seen numerous chances or opportunities, I should say, sure, where they should just – let the game play out. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, and different. Don't count your kegs before you tap them. Let the game clock hit zero. Yeah. And yet again, we have another instance where everybody punched their ticket before the game was done. I mean, in this instance, though, I, I think we can give them a little leeway just because even when I saw the highlight in the moment, because I didn't watch the game, in the in the moment, I can see why. At full speed, you can think, oh, he didn't get it off, he didn't get it off, he didn't get it off. And then once you see the replays in slow motion, then you can realize, oh, fuck, wait, he did make that. So 99% of what you said I agree with, but I think in this instance you can give him a pass because in real time, in real speed, it looks like he didn't get it off. But then replay shows otherwise. The replay shows otherwise, but the one thing that I'm just saying with this especially We've had times in the past where Heat fans have left the building before a game was over. Yeah. And infamously, and you can't say it never happened. No, there's video. The tape does not lie. Some of y'all tried to get back in. Mm-hmm. And yet we had a situation with Miami really punch, thinking they, they punched their ticket before it was all said and done, and Derek White said otherwise with one of the most miraculous shots to win a game with nearly a second left. Yeah. And the advice here that I will always say is make sure you have a defender on the inbounds person. Oh, my God, yeah. Because the Heat let White run right to the basket uncontested. Now, granted, if the ball had bounced the other direction, whole different ball game. Oh, sure. But it went right to him. Nobody was around him. Yeah. It was one of the easiest putbacks in NBA history. Yeah. And with that momentum swing, the game should have been done. Mm-hmm. And the series should have been done, I should say, rather. Yeah. Because when you have a deflating defeat like that, mm-hmm. you don't rebound from it. And I granted, the stats don't lie. Teams that are up 3 nothing in a series in the NBA are 150 to none. Yeah. A lifetime. Well, I think now it's 151. And yep. No. Yeah. It is. And with the Game 7 going back to Boston, I think everybody, including yours truly, thought Boston was going to run away with this. Right. Yet we get to the game, and Boston had nothing, and I mean nothing. Well, it didn't help that when you when you what was it like the first two minutes into the game, Jason Tatum injured his ankle and, and was limping for most of that. So, I'm glad you bring that up because that doesn't help. It doesn't help, but it's not a full excuse. No, because this is something that's been brought on a lot of the social or the sports media shows. I should say, sure. Talent has carried Boston to where they are in this in these playoffs. Yeah. They haven't really played a ton of team basketball. No. A lot has been relied on Tatum and Brown to carry them. And they haven't had a lot of their role players per se step up in comparison to the Heat. 
the Heat plays very good team basketball. They kind of have to with all the injuries they've had. Right, which I know they brought up in the broadcast last night that it's kind of astounding to see the Miami Heat where they are considering all of the injuries they've had. And I think it was Reggie Miller. It was either Reggie, it was either Reggie Miller or the other commentator they had there. I'm blanking on the name. Um, but they brought it up that the Miami Heat have the fourth most injury minutes, I think was the stat they gave, in the NBA this season. You know, behind like, it was like San Antonio... Portland and it was like a couple other teams that just didn't make the playoffs at all. Mm-hmm. So that's why they said it's it's kind of astounding to see the Heat are as far as they are considering some of their big star players have not played. I mean, we, like we mentioned, you know, uh Kevin Love didn't play didn't play this game. You've had a bunch of all Tyler Hero hasn't Tyler Hero has been the biggest. Tyler Hero hasn't played. I think it's in like 16 games they said last night. Mm-hmm. So, when that happens, usually teams fall apart, but give credit to Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. They've rallied this team. They have overachieved. There is no question about this. They have played out of their minds yeah. to get where they are. And you can't take that away from them. They have really stepped their game up and when they needed to at the right time. It's much like hockey. When you have a goalie that gets hot at the right time and that can cover up a lot of the band-aid or the wounds you have with Yo, band-aids. Yeah. Same thing is happening here. Jimmy Butler has willed this team to step up and really punch their way to the finals without any questions and it's the play of Miami that has made guys like Martin a household name when he got cut from the Charlotte Hornets like a year or two ago Mm -hmm. yeah so when you have that go on Boston needed to prove that they were the number one seed and they haven't no because when you're down three nothing in a series that's bad enough the fact they fought back I will give them credit for it oh sure but they have not looked great in those three wins except one one game they looked like Boston. Yeah. But in this game, coming out flat, and I believe they went 0 for 12 on their first shots, and with Tatum being hurt, somebody needed to step up mm-hmm. and fill that void in because Tatum was still playing, though. Oh, yeah. he uh, Tatum ended up playing 42 minutes. Yeah. And how many points did he have? Uh, 14. Still and contributing. 11 rebounds on a bad ankle. Yeah. Because while getting jumping isn't necessarily required mm-hmm. for getting a rebound, it's still pretty essential. Oh, absolutely. So the fact that he's out there playing on one leg and literally doing all he can to get his team to the finals mm-hmm. speaks volumes about him. But I really question everybody else here. Right. I really do. Because you're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Oh, yeah. Or they're the number two, I should they're say. The, they're the number two. Milwaukee was number yeah. one. But yeah. Milwaukee never looked like the number one this year. Like Milwaukee, it been. Milwaukee was gone, gone. so they're the de facto number one in the, com- in, the, in the conference right now. Right, but in a weird comparison, and I, I know I'll probably catch a lot of flack online for this, Boston and Milwaukee are very, very similar. Yes. No, I agree with that. You have one superstar on your team, and you have occasional role players that rise above. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sorry, what we saw here, Miami already knew what to do. Yeah, and a bench that really doesn't give you anything. Right. I'm sorry. Boston's bench is not great. No, uh, I'm looking at this, the box score from last night. Uh, combined, the Boston Celtics bench had 3, 5, 8, that's 16. Had 16 points for the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7 gentlemen who played on the bench last night. So they had 16 points. Uh, they had one steal. Two blocks, and by the way, this is all combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had two assists, one, two, three, let's see, that's nine. Nine rebounds for the entire bench. 
not ideal because your starters can't play this deep into the season, can't play every single minute. I mean, Jalen Brown was your leading minutes player with 43. Mm-hmm. Tatum right behind him at 42. Horford only played 34. Marcus Smart only played 35. And then White only played 36. So you need some of those role player guys, you know, like Williams, who played 16, only had three points, uh, one rebound, one assist, one steal, you know, or uh, Williams, the third, 14 minutes, eight points. Uh, let's see, uh, one block, no steals, one assist and six rebounds. Like some of those other stats are great, but like, yo, we need you to help put up points. Yeah. And especially too at halftime, Miami's only up by 11. Yeah. So it's not like the game was completely out of control, which was weird because like I was going back and forth between that and Monday Night Raw, and I mm-hmm. got the, and I got the notification the game was at halftime, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, the Heat are up double digits at halftime!" And I'm like, "Wait, whoa, how bad?" Like they're making it seem like it's like fifty or something. I'm like, "Whoa, what the fuck is?" I'm like, "It's only 11. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Like everybody wrote them off for dead, but you could tell the mentality of Boston. Yeah. That they felt defeated the minute Tatum rolled his ankle, but mm-hmm. Tatum got up and played. Like that yeah. was the whole thing. It's not like he had to be helped off the court. No, he's still there. He, and what the team should have done is rallied around him and say, like, he's the star player of our team. We need to give him some help. We yeah. really need to find yeah, something. We got to share the load. Yeah, but the fact that they stopped shooting layups and were trying to live by the three ball, that didn't help matters. No. And they just needed to go for easy baskets to get something going because when the momentum is slipping away from you, mm-hmm. you need to do something to get it back, especially in your home building. Uh, Boston, 9 of 42 from the three-point line. That's an atrocious stat line. 42 fucking attempts for the team? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So why are you sitting there trying to throw in threes if they're not going in? And if, and if fractions aren't really your thing, I'll give you their percentage. Uh, 21.4%. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a disgrace. That's abysmal. Yeah, like the only person I think that really, other than Tatum, was trying to win this game was Derek White. Yeah, I, I think everybody yeah. else just really put it in cruise control. Uh, Derek White, uh, thirty six minutes, uh, five of twelve from the field, two of nine from three, six of seven from the line, uh, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, no blocks, uh, just two turnovers, and he had eighteen points. Right. So that's not bad. No, but the the big stat here is not the 18 points. Six of seven from the free throw line. Uh, yeah. So what does that mean? He was driving. Oh, yeah, he was. He was driving to the hoop. Uh, the leading free throw shooter on that team. Uh, Horford, no free throws. Smart, no free throws. Uh, their entire bench didn't make it to the free throw line. Jalen Brown, two of two. And then Jason Tatum, three of four. Uh, made it to the line. So out of everybody on the entire Boston roster that played last night, three of them made it to the line. Yeah. Tatum, uh, White, and Brown. And that's why they lost. It's not so much that Tatum got hurt. That does play a factor. I'm oh, not, yeah. But I'm going to say, like, if you want to do percentage-wise, I'll say that was 20%. Yeah. That's it. It's not the end-all, be-all. Like, okay, it's kind of like when the Patriots uh, were making one of their playoff runs a couple years ago on Gronkowski broke his leg or arm. I think it was his leg or arm. I can't remember which one it was. And he was a big focal point of the offensive game plan for that playoff. Mm-hmm. Belichick didn't sit there and go, well, fuck, what the, what the hell are we going to do? And then spend the next, you know, three quarters of football trying to figure that out. No, he had a backup plan and goes, all right, plan A went out the window. Now we got to go with plan B. Yeah. And that's what great teams do. If, if Boston's plan was 
to to feature the one guy prominently last night. Oh, hey, shucks, he got injured. Probably not going to be able to feature him as prominently as we wanted to. We might have to flip some of those plays around and go, all right, hey, you know what? He can't go. Smart, you're going to get some of those plays. Mm -hmm. Well, this is where a lot of questions are going to come into factor for the offseason. Yeah. Most of this team is pretty locked in for contracts. I believe so. However, Jalen Brown will be a free agent after next season. So he has one more full year in Boston. Okay. The question then becomes if you're Boston. Rip it to the studs. That was I was going to say, you still feel that way, Pad. Oh, yeah. No, this team has been together for quite some time. You have not even made it to the NBA Finals. If this was a case where, you know, you'd made it to the finals a couple times and, hey, you just got, you know, the bad bounce a couple of occasions, hey, you know what? That That's just the way it goes sometimes. But the fact you haven't even made it there, rip it to the studs. Well, the situation becomes Jason Tatum is the one that everybody turns to to carry this team over with his talent. Right. This team is based on talent over teamwork. It's a weird statement to make because there's sometimes this team really gets clicking and they look like a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. But during this run of the playoffs, they got punched in the mouth by a Miami team that had nothing to lose, and they never had a counter. They were showing flashes of brilliance, especially in the one game, I believe it was game five, mm -hmm. that they Boston finally looked like the number two seed. They really looked like the NBA Finals contender that a lot of people had them signed off to be in the preseason. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to it, they had no counter punch. No. And I'm sorry. If you're Boston and you have Jalen Brown with one year left, you know he's going to ask for a max deal. Oh, yeah. If you're the GM, do you give it to him? Uh, yeah, it's a conversation that the front office has got to have. And right now, I don't know if I give it to him. I wouldn't. I If I am Boston right now, I will wait till the end of the playoffs, obviously. Yeah. And then I'm going to start making calls as soon as I can. What What is the best deal for him? Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at their free agents uh, on Spotrack.com, and they're they're lucky this year, and they don't have a they have a fair number, but none of them are like going to be headaches to figure out. Danilo Gallinari is going to be a free agent. Uh, Mike Muscala is going to be a free agent. He's a center that you have. Grant Williams is going to be a free agent. Uh, Blake Griffin is going to be a free agent. J.D. Davidson, another one. And then I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize in advance. Uh, uh, Fiondu uh, Kambagili, uh, K-A-B-E-N-G-E-L-E, -E -E, are all going to be free agents this upcoming season. Next year's work gets interesting, though, because like you mentioned, Jalen Brown on that list. And then uh, I pulled up 2025 as well. Uh, my... Brogdon, Derek White, Al Horford, and then Sam Hauser are in 2025. Yeah. So if you're Boston, you got to make some choices now. Uh-huh. And you really have to figure out what is it going to take to make this a team. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the percentage-wise, Tatum is responsible for 20% of it. Yeah. A lot, and I hate saying this, but a lot has to go on Boston's head coach too. Yeah. Because obviously Joe Mazzilla, you know, being in the spotlight now. Mm-hmm was outcoached by Spolstra. Spolstra knew what he was doing. He's been here before. Spolstra's been there for, been in that organization for like, I saw it today and I couldn't believe it. He's been there for like 28 years. Yeah, but if you think about it. He is silently one of the best players of this generation. Or not players, our coaches of this generation. Yeah, and I know a lot of people just say, well, you know what, if I had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, I'd still got to coach him. Yeah, but the fact that he's gotten back there 
or close to with a team like this. Yeah. Which, let's face it, other than Jimmy Butler, nobody else on this team scares you. No. The fact that he's been able to do this, and Miami and the Pat Riley-led regime down there has had faith in him the entire time. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a testament to building culture. Yeah, it is. And they have never, never wavered on what is going on here. And like I said, Spolstra might get a bad rap sometimes. I don't think he deserves one. No. Because, like I said, the the running joke, per se, in, in some sport media eyes as well, he's always, he's always had talent. Oh, yeah. Well, you can have talent, but if you can't get them to play together, it doesn't mean squat. And prime example, take a look in Boston right now. Yeah. Sorry. It's the truth, though. Boston, listen, I think you can try it next year with, with Tatum and Brown because, obviously, they're still under contract. I don't, you know, you, you could try flipping them, but I don't know what you'd get for them. But if you want to keep Tatum and Brown around, you've got to get something going around that offense because, I'm sorry, you don't need studs and guys to put up double digits or a triple-double every night, but fucking Christ, you can do better than Horford, you know, or, or even improve the bench. Get some, get a decent sixth man on the bench. Mm-hmm. Get a decent seventh man on the bench that can really be a playmaker for you. You know, not, not necessarily a journeyman at the end of his career, but one of those guys who's like, all right, he's a journeyman, kind of floating around, can still put up some points and play for you. Because that's the one thing I noticed. And listen, I'm no basketball aficionado. This Boston bench don't fucking scare me. There is so there you, to me. You need a bench that like you, it doesn't scare you, but you go, ah, fuck. We do have to deal with that guy when we think there's going to be a lull and some of the starters are going to be out. Well, I think this is a prime example of what they had, and and this team didn't show any signs of life. Miami punched them right in the mouth, and they had no counter. Like no. that's that's the honest to god takeaway from this. Jay, Tatum went down. Tatum is still out there on one leg doing what he can. It was a bad yeah. ankle roll. Yeah. It happens. Hey, shit happens. But it's not like you didn't have players on your team that could have filled in the gap. That was like the first, like I said, two minutes of the game. You still had the rest of it to figure it out and come up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because Miami did not blow you out until the third quarter. Yep. I'm sorry, you're down by 10 at half. That's not a big deal. That's easily surmountable. Yeah, that's five baskets. Sorry. You're not getting an excuse for this. Or like three baskets and two free throw trips. Yeah, I mean, however you want to define it. You were still in this game, and you had no heart coming out of this. And Miami proved that they were the more veteran team and they were the more efficient team. Note the key word there, team. Yeah. Even with all the injuries, they found a way to do it, and that's why they're going to the finals. Yeah. And for Boston and the other teams in the East, they need to take a look at how Miami has done this. Yeah. Because this is a superstar-less team that is now going to be in the biggest spotlight of them all. I think we got to give some credit, and I saw this stat today, and this blew my mind. we got to give some credit to their president, Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. who is now going to his uh, 19th trip to the NBA Finals. He's been there three times as a player, ten times as a coach, and now six times as an executive. Of all of the NBA Finals that have played, Riley's been a part of almost 25% of them. That's insane. Which is fucking bonkers. But I tell you what, he's one of the few players that made the transition to the front office and really yeah. like has done... I'm not going to say an underrated job because everybody that follows basketball knows what he's capable of. Yeah. But I say by the time it's all said and done for him, mm-hmm. l- legendary work. Dude could he do is. a master class on front office executive. Yeah. And teach a lot of teams a few things. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, I hated seeing him leave New York. Oh, sure. But I will say this. 
He has done wonders in Miami. He has this. He's built a team down there that did not falter. Look at those years with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, and just how big their contracts were. That you had folks on ESPN with, you know, because they've got the trade machine or whatever. They're like just trying, and they and they got people on the they had people on the payroll for ESPN there who were like former front office guys that were like analytics and numbers and could like basically uh, accountants, mm-hmm. you know, that were like, oh hey, here's how they can make this work. And even those guys, I remember in those days, are like. They're going to have to have sign like three, four guys to the veterans minimum, and they still made it work. Well, that is a testament to Riley building that culture. And and say what you will, too, because as much as people like to hate on LeBron for the super team formula, mm-hmm. Riley is right there with him. Yeah. He's the one that helped put that together. Yeah. So he needs to take some heat off LeBron, no pun intended there. Something tells me that team don't happen if Riley's not there. Oh, exactly. That team never happens without Riley. But that's a whole – cornerstone time period in the NBA that really changed the game. Mm-hmm. And Riley has been a big part of that. And then even transitioning out of it because he saw what happened with it. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It just, it doesn't, you ha- you have a quick flash of greatness and then it fades away. Yeah. And especially in this day and age of the NBA where it's more about, you don't see a lot of teams. You see a lot of talent. Yes. So I'm sorry. This is my opinion of it. But when you get those teams together, they build those runs and that's what you see here in Miami. Mm-hmm. And you also see it on the flip side to Denver where we're heading now. Yeah. Because we have a very unlikely NBA Finals going on. Yeah. Pad, you got some information for us? Yeah, so you've got the number one seeded Denver Nuggets taking on the eighth seeded uh, Miami Heat. And just to recap how exactly we got here, uh, we got the Denver Nuggets who beat the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves four games to one in the conference uh, first in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, they moved on to the semifinals and took on the Phoenix Suns where they beat them four games to two. Uh, moved on to the conference finals where they swept... Yes, folks, swept the Los Angeles Lakers four games to none. Uh, bear in mind, the last game, meaningful game, because I'm not counting pickup games they do in practice, mm-hmm. the last meaningful game the Denver Nuggets have played was on Monday, May 22nd. That was a week ago now. And like I said before, like I said at the start of the segment, by the time game one of the NBA Finals will have tipped off, it'll have been a week and a half since Denver has played. They're just resting. Flip side, you've got the Miami Heat, who lost the first game of the play-in tournament yeah. to get into this. So it was on a, a literal winner-go-home scenario, won that game, came in as the eighth seed to the playoffs, beat the number one seed of Milwaukee Bucks uh, four games to one, moved on to the semifinal rounds where they beat the New York Knicks uh, four games to two, and then went to the conference finals where they just beat the Boston number two-seeded Boston Celtics four games to three. Uh, so we'll, we will see what happens. I uh, got the game times and such here. Uh, game one is on Thursday in Denver, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, by the way, all of these are on ABC. Game two is on Sunday in Denver uh, at 8 o'clock p.m. Game three is on Wednesday on June the 7th in Miami. That is at 8.30. Game four is on Friday, June 9th in Miami. That is at 8.30. Game five, if necessary, is on Monday, June 12th in Denver. That is at 8.30 p.m. Game six, if again, if necessary, is on Thursday, June 15th in Miami at 8.30 p.m. And then game seven, if necessary, is on Sunday, June 18th in Denver at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Like I said, all of these games on ABC. Like we say, very unlikely finale here. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who said, I made that prediction at the start of the season. If you did, 
Send us a picture of your betting slip. Well, the only one I know from Denver is Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics. Well, of course he had Denver in the yeah. I would expect that from yeah, him. I would, yeah, I was going to say. But I'm saying this specific match. This specific one, oh, I, I can guarantee you it's very few and far between. Yeah, probably. And especially now, this has to be Denver's time. Oh, yeah. It's nothing against Miami. And if Miami somehow pulls it off, hey, I'll be the first one to tip my hat to them. Yeah. Because they are going to scrap. This is not going to be a sweep in my eyes. No. But I think there's a few things that are going to play into Denver's favor that we might not think about. Mm -hmm. The extended time off is going to help them more than not. Sure. Because this team has never gotten this far because they've always had to deal with injuries. They've always had players that have not been able to get to 100% for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse now. No. Your players have been rested for 10 days, essentially. Mm, yeah. They're going to be ready to go, and the biggest X factor for them is Jamal Murray. Yes. The fact that he was he's rested and he is ready to go, that is huge. Yeah, I, I expect game one to be a bit of a blowout. I'm not talking like a major blowout. I'd expect game one to be a bit of a blowout while come tip off, just because, like I said, Denver's been off a week and a half. Miami's been going the entire time. So Denver's going to come in at like 150% ready to play. Mm -hmm. Miami, closer to maybe like 75, 80% ready to go. You know, just haven't had as much time off. Game two, I would expect to be a little bit closer and could be more of a toss up as to who wins. Yeah, I agree. Game two will be interesting to game, see. Game two is going to be the tell. Yeah. Game that, game one, I think, is going to go to Denver just because, like I said, they've been off a week and a half. Miami will have been a couple of days, you know, so I, I expect game one to go to Denver. Game two, to me, will be the tell. Well, the one thing is with Miami coming in, they're exhausted and they're mentally worn out because oh, this, sure. this series with Boston, say what you will, it, it showed that they have the heart and they have the determination to get there. Sure. But to come back – when you had a team on the ropes for three games, mm -hmm. and granted, it should have been done at game six. Absolutely, no question about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The fact that game seven you put on a statement win is great, but you're going to still need to recover and get some ground underneath you. Right. Because right now you're flying high, it's all adrenaline, but you're going up against a team that is getting overlooked now mm -hmm. because on every single show – over the past couple hours now that the game has been done. Yeah. Everybody's talking Boston, Miami. Oh yeah. Everybody's talking Boston. How many how many commentators, how many sports outlets are talking Denver right now? Not many. Right. Not well, not many east of the Rockies, that's for sure. Exactly. So, the team that has had the chip on their shoulder this entire run is now rested and getting more fired up. Mhm. Mm and especially when you have KCP ready to go, Aaron Gordon's ready to go, you have Murray ready to go, and Jokic ready to go. They're going to want to put on a statement win in game one. They're going to want to set the tempo early, and they're going to want to say, we're the Denver Nuggets, we're here, it's our time. Mm -hmm. Miami could lose that one by 15. Uh, yeah, I, I see that being likely. Yeah, but they're going to show up and play. There's no question about it. I'm not saying they're going to get completely ran out of the gym. No. But I just think it's going to have to get adjusted to a completely different team 
that is well rested, well coached, and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a great series to watch. I just think game one is going to be a disappointment just because Miami is coming off that adrenaline rush. Right. There's always a letdown somewhere after a game like that. I don't, and it doesn't matter how many days you play. Yeah. They're going to have to rebound quick. And the one thing I did like hearing is they immediately flew out to Denver. Oh, yeah. That was the wild thing I saw. Somebody checked with the FAA or, or online or something. The Miami Heat's plane never had a flight booked back to Miami. They had their flight after that game on, on Sunday against Boston or Monday against Boston uh, booked for Denver. Mm, I love the bravado. Oh, I love it. That was awesome. But that's what they need to do and keep their minds sharp on this because now they need to really turn it around and focus on a team that's very hungry, much like them in the same way, except they have a superstar and a better role-playing bench. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, Miami has a superstar with Jimmy Butler who doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Because we only see this side of Jimmy in the playoffs. We don't see it too often during the regular season. Right. I but Jimmy Butler's an amazing player. I I was so wish he wound up in New York somehow because his attitude is what teams need. And he will be he'll show up and he'll get this team ready to go. Game one is going to be Denver all day. Game two, though, is going to be the true test. Mm-hmm. Like you touched upon, Pat, and, and and like I say, Miami can sneak that one out, and they're going to need to. They have to split. Oh yeah. If they go down two nothing to Miami, it's going to be hard to Denver. You mean or to Denver rather? I'm sorry. Um, thank you. They are going to be in some serious trouble. Oh yeah. Because I don't think Miami's going to be ready for them coming on their home court, and Denver is literally going to want to end this quickly. Mm-hmm. So the biggest X factor that Miami's going to have to figure out is we need Tyler Hero back. He has been cleared to return for this playoffs. Right. He's got to pick up some speed real quick. And then Bam needs to be a factor. If Jimmy doesn't have the help from those two, I'm sorry. It's going to be an extremely long series if he doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be something that – He's been lucky so far. Caleb Martin's been able to help him out. But when Miami or Denver's going to be focusing on him, somebody else needs to step up. Yeah. This needs to be a yeah. team sport over talent sport. Yeah. So that being said, a lot of X factors going on. My official prediction is going to be Denver in six. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, see. so the odds on this matchup opened up as Denver is a minus 360 favorite. Uh, it has moved to a Denver as a minus 380. Uh, Miami is a plus 300, and then the ESPN BPI odds give it an 89% uh, Denver. I'm going to say Denver as well, and I'm going to say Denver in five. Uh, they'll, win it, they'll win it on home court uh, there on Monday, June 12th. We might have to get some bail money ready for Brian Wayne. I could see him running crazy through the streets of Denver. <laughs> If you if you heard the past couple episodes when Brian was on, you know he's ready for it. You know the city of Denver is ready for it. Yeah, they are. They're going to be rocking for game one. And this is just going to be a fun series, and this is going to be something for basketball fans. If you haven't seen real team basketball, definitely check the series out. I fully think that this is going to be winning over a lot of viewers. I think people are going to tune in uh, in big numbers. Mm-hmm. Not going to say record setting by any means. It'll be decent, but it'll be decent numbers for teams that are not exactly household names. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very big coming out party for Jokic, mm-hmm. and I think that this is going to be something that fans are going to be excited to see. And then, depending on what happens here, I don't doubt we see a lot of copycatting 
uh, for next season. It's good for the NBA because it shows the casual NBA fans there is more to the league beyond Curry and LeBron. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Which, ironically, the Golden State president stepping down after nine yeah, years. Yeah, well, he, he talked about it, so not entirely surprising. Right, but it's just, you know, the architect of what was yeah. built on Golden State stepping back. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. It's a crazy time to think about, but nothing will outshine the NBA Finals happening this week. So with that said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Who you got winning the chip? Is it Denver or is it Miami? And then what is Boston going to do now that they have suffered such a deflating defeat? We got to have those answers. Or we have those questions answered. So hit us up on the hashtag. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk some wrestling. Wrestling! There was a lot of it this past weekend for Memorial Day. Yeah, there was. Got to put that out there. The weekend was rocking, and there was so many events going on, whether it was Impact, GCW, AEW, but the ones that we are going to focus on, because we did cover a lot of them on 607TWS, available now on your favorite podcast players, is the WWE's weekend... And, man, did they ever put on some shows. Yeah, they did. So let's break it down, shall we, Pat? Yeah, so we'll start with uh, NXT, or not NXT, WWE Night of Champions, which took place on Saturday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern here in the East Coast, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, because it was over in Saudi Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Uh, so taking place over there uh, it was Night of Champions. Uh, and then in the opening contest, you had the final matchup for the inaugural, and we got some clarity on that. It is the new, they, they kept emphasizing that on Monday Night Raw last night, the new, new, new mm-hmm. uh, World Heavyweight Championship, where you had Seth freaking Rollins defeat AJ Styles via pinfall in 20 minutes and 40 seconds to become the brand new first ever uh, World Heavyweight Championship. No real shock there. No. I mean, the thing about it is, Raw has wanted a champion due to the TV deals. Like yeah. We, we've talked about this in, in the right. past. Right. So, obviously, with Roman Reigns working SmackDown when he does, because obviously he's got a lot of things going on for in his uh, career right now. In his island. Yes. They need a champion to be on Raw. Right. And and allegedly, if you believe the rumors and dirt sheets, uh, the executives for USA wanted that as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes which sense. Which I get. Because we have to remember this is a sports entertainment business. Yeah. So if you don't have a champion at the end of your show main eventing, usually. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's a problem because right. what's the incentives to tune in? Everybody wants to see a title fight. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. What they were doing uh, kind of like the start of the Triple H uh, era of booking, you know, last year when they were featuring the United States Championship was fine. Mm-hmm. But like that's not the one of the main belts. That's a mid card belt. Right. So that being said, they had the tournament to select who was going to get here in the finals. Mm-hmm. You couldn't pick a better two to be here. They no. put on a phenomenal match. No pun intended. And at the end of the day, they made the right call with Seth Rollins winning. It's nothing yeah. against AJ, but yeah. obviously him being on SmackDown, they kind of tipped their hat a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But it's nothing that I thought went away from the match because, as we saw on Monday Night Raw, AJ made a quick stop yeah. 
to say congratulations turned into an impromptu match, yep. which I know some people on the internet were losing their mind. Look, let me just break it down like this. Seth wasn't going to defend the first night coming back. No, no. And if they wanted to do something to set up who his first feud is going to be with, which is very clear it's going to be somebody in the Judgment Day, yeah. whether it's Damian Priest or it's going to be yeah. Finn Balor. Yeah. This is a nice way to set it up. Plus, it ties into AJ feuding with the Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have an understandable storyline because who who else were you going to plug and play in there for the tag match? I mean, it, 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 plus you mentioned the thing with AJ and the Judgment Day. It could set up something for maybe Survivor Series down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, you, oh, sure. you could have the OC versus the Bloodline, or not the Bloodline, the uh, Judgment, uh, Day. Judgment Day, you know. But no, I agree with you. Seth wasn't going to defend this belt. And, and it was interesting how they did that on Raw, where they were kind of coy with what they were going to do, because, like, Seth comes out, and the way he's talking, I'm like, oh, is he going to do an open challenge to, like, anybody in the back? You know, we might see somebody from NXT make a one-night appearance. You mm-hmm. know, what the heck's going to happen? And then AJ shows up, and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I thought this was a hard brand split. And then, you know, they want to set up the match. And and for people going, well, AJ's only supposed to be on SmackDown. Seth, why are they having this setting up his match? Did you not pay attention to the backstage segment they did with Adam Pierce, where he was air quotes on the phone, yeah, working with the powers to make it happen? Like the story was there. They they worked. They quote unquote worked through the red tape. Yeah, I mean, for a fictional storyline, a lot of people were really losing their minds. Don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. Exactly. I mean, the whole point is. They wanted to do something to ease into the next phase for Seth Rollins winning the belt. And he did cut a fantastic promo. Yeah, yeah he did. On Monday night. But obviously, they wanted to set something up. This works. It's, it's a quick plug and play. Yeah. AJ's going back to SmackDown to yeah. do whatever, yeah. which we'll find out on Friday. A lot of hard cam shots. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of uh, upper deck shots, too. Yeah, because Seth came mm. through the crowd mm. at Albany for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. But in front of the crowd in Saudi Arabia, they were definitely excited to see Seth win. It was yeah, a great match. Yeah. You know, what, what else can you say? You got two of the best in the business doing what they do. Yeah. Their first matchup, I believe, it was said during the broadcast since 2017, mm-hmm. 2018? Yes. Somewhere in there. Uh, the next match was in a singles matchup between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. And you had Trish Stratus defeat Becky Lynch, albeit with some help, uh, via pinfall in 14 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, the help coming from a rather unexpected source, Ken. Yes. Zoe Stark showed up. Love this. I can't remember the name of the move she hit on her. I'll learn it here in a couple of weeks because I'm sure she's going to hit it a bunch. Uh, that move is fucking nuts. Oh, yeah. She's been doing that down in NXT for a while. If anybody's not familiar with Zoe Stark, she's one of the call-ups from NXT. Yep. And it's one thing that we've talked about in 607TWS at great lengths. Zoe has all the tools in the world mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. She's phenomenal in the ring work aspect of things. Character-wise, she still needs work. Sure. But if you're pairing her with Trish Stratus, that's a big deal. And that's what it looks like because, again, you look at what happened on Monday Night Raw where Trish came out and kind of like, oh, I beat Becky and Zoe came out. And Zoe was like, yeah, I made my, I'm, I'm on the main roster. And I could have dwelled in the back and tried to fight my way towards the top like Becky Lynch did. Mm-hmm. But why do that when I can get some help from one of the all-time greats in Trish Stratus? Yeah. So it does look like they will be at least partnering together, you know, for some mutual aid uh, here going forward for a while. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. If she can, yeah. men- if Trish can mentor her and that does ex- extend their feud a little bit yeah. uh, with Becky, it makes sense. Yeah. And like I say, her move is a version of the GTS, mm. uh, but it's more like a 360 spin on it. Yeah, I know 360s in the name. Yeah. It's a it's a very cool move, and, and especially it extends the feud with Becky because of, 
Trish is not going to be sticking around forever. No. I mean, this is a nice She's been run. around longer than I thought she would be. Right. But I. But it's more in the same vein of Brock Lesnar. And hear me out when I say this. Okay. When you have veterans that come back. Yeah. That are truly established. They're superstars. Their legacies are cemented. Sure. You have to give them some reason that they want to keep coming back. Oh, sure. And in Brock's case, he's been more open to coming back because he's having fun. Yeah. I think in Trish's case, she's having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I think for her, she likes working with Becky. She likes helping Zoe. And obviously, this is going to be something that will carry through to SummerSlam. And it's really a fun program that she's not going to come back full time. No. But if you can have her come back and she's enjoying working and helping the new stars of tomorrow, Mm -hmm. it's a big win for everybody. It's a great rub on some of these newer newer stars because I fully anticipate – WWE is going to be a little uh, stereotypical, you know, traditional, I guess you could say, with this because, okay, they're partnering up. At some point, it's going to dissolve. They're going to end up fighting and they're going to have a match with each, with each other. And what better way to give a young new talent a rub on the main roster and really get them over with? Because let's face it, nothing against Zoe Stark, but you put her up against, you know, any other wrestler on the main roster. You know, in a big time match at, say, a Money in the Bank or a Survivor Series or a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania, most fans probably aren't going to care. But if you get to, say, a Survivor Series or a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania and you go, hey, Zoe Stark's first match on one of the big four. Yeah. And she's going up against one of the, if not the greatest women's wrestler in WWE history and Trish Stratus. All of a sudden, the percentage of folks who are giving a shit and going to put down their phones and put down their plates of food for their watch party and watch goes up a lot. Oh, absolutely. So this is nothing but a big win, and I love how they're setting this up. So if if she plays the role of Trish's apprentice, that's huge for Zoe. And and like I say, by the time it's all said and done, she's going to be light years ahead of where anybody thinks that she's going to be at. Also, shout out to Becky Lynch in this match for the uh, Kill Bill-inspired ring gear. Yes. That was awesome. Loved it. Uh, Next up, you had a singles matchup for the WWE Intercontinental Championship where you had Gunther retain his championship, pinning Mustafa Ali in 8 minutes and 35 seconds. And boy, I'll tell you what, this was a good match. Uh, kudos to whoever booked this match because you pulled the wool over my eyes a couple of times. I thought Mustafa was going to have this thing. I did too. I was so hoping they did this. and The pop would have been legendary. It would have been fantastic, but this was perfect because Gunther has been such an amazing Intercontinental Champion uh-huh. that we're all expecting him to drop the belt to get moved on to the world title. Right. And I can fully see him versus Seth down the road. Oh, sure. Completely can see that. But... The fact they didn't have it happen here, but yet they elevated Ali's stack. Oh, my God, yeah. Because he tried cutting that promo, and he always gives these very impassioned, I I, I don't want to say they're shoots because they're not, but they're more like half shoots. A work shoot, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And I know Brock interrupted him, and then he went to his car to cut it, and then he he really feels, and, and rightfully so, that he should be doing more in the WWE than he is. To get a spot like this... Mm-hmm. and run with it. Like, that was huge. And especially, there were numerous times in this match that we thought, oh, my God, he's going to win. Oh, I know. And that is how you do perfect wrestling. Yeah. Because you had the audience in the palm of your hand waiting mm-hmm. for you know whatever you wanted to do. And we all thought, okay, Holly's going to win, Holly's going to win. And then Gunther gets the win. Yeah. But... It worked well to elevate his stock. I just wanted to see Ali do something more. I'm hoping he gets in Money in the Bank somehow. 
Oh, I do too. That's my perfect hope. No, I do too. I mean, for me, this matchup was great. You don't need to sell me on Gunther. Gunther is already sold on me. Yes. The only thing I wish is bring back the old intro music, but eh, I get it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but you you got to sell me a little bit on Mustafa Ali because just everything with his characters, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whether it's when he originally came up to the roster, you know, the retribution gimmick, you know, the when he came back gimmick and then he went away and came back. It's been so start. It's been more start and stop than trying to teach a teenager how to drive for the first time. You know, which, mm-hmm. which, so it's been, he's great in the ring. I got nothing wrong with him in the ring. It's just character wise, they've given me nothing to really care about. But you're starting to sell me on him a little bit. And I'm starting to go, okay, I can get behind this a little bit and I can care for this to a certain degree. You just got to keep selling me on it and don't hit the stop button. I'd love to see him in a faction of some sort. I could see it. I don't know who. I'm not sure how to pair it up yet, but I would love to see him being in one. All he has to do is believe. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that that's a whole different ball game right there. Yeah, that's true. But I think the match did what it needed to do. Yeah. Gunther looked amazing. Next up. Uh, next up was a singles matchup for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, and you had Bianca Belair taking on Asuka. Uh, and you had Asuka defeat Bianca Belair via pinfall in 15 minutes even to become your and new uh, WWE Raw Women's Championship. Love this match. I did too. Booking was smart. Yes. Asuka goes for the mist, mm-hmm. misses, but gets it on her fingers. Yeah, that was brilliant. So when uh, Bianca Belair sets her up for the TKO. Yeah. Asuka wipes her fingers in yep. Bianca's eyes, blinds yeah. her, hits her with a finisher. Like It was set up perfectly. And they were given plenty of time to work, too. Yeah, they were. I mean, I think between all three women's matches, and I know we've only talked two so far, mm-hmm. they definitely gave them almost a half hour of combined time. Uh, yeah, so between the 15 minutes even for this one and then the 14 minutes and 50 seconds were the Trish Becky lap match. Uh, you were looking at a total of 29 minutes and 50 seconds between the, those two matches. Yes. In comparison to AEW. Yeah. You know, that was, well, and also we got, also we got to know it's almost between the two matches, almost a half hour of wrestling time in a country that up until recently did not let women wrestle in their stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's correct, and I'm glad that they're now expanding that, and we're yeah. having more women's matches there. Yeah, no, but I like what they did with the Mist, just because I don't want to say it's be, it's predictable, but it's almost you know I think the wrestlers are starting to expect it with heel Oscar spraying the Mist. Mm-hmm. So you saw her go for it, and and Bianca was ready for it. She ducked, they missed, but then you know the, I, I like to see that, and maybe some more variations and some more trickery, maybe come up with some different. We'll talk to some of the guys in the back or, or some folks she might know who have used Mist before. Or, mm-hmm. or something to that effect and come like hey let's come up with some different ways to get this where fans aren't expecting it it was awesome to see no they definitely did a, a phenomenal job about setting that up so mm-hmm. we have a new era with a new champion so yeah. i'm excited to see where this goes next up was a singles matchup for the wwe smackdown women's championship and you had rhea ripley with dom dom uh in her corner uh defeated natalia via pinfall in one minute and 10 seconds okay one Zero problem with the match. Mm-hmm. It was a squash match. Yeah. This was something that they just wanted to get Rhea on the card. Yeah. And say what you will, Dominic is a heat magnet. Yeah, he is. He's got heat on two different companies. Yes. Yes, he does, which that that was such a wild tweet to see, too. Mm-hmm. Just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. But. They WWE wanted to get Rhea on the show. Yeah. Natalia has been with the company forever, and she is perfect in this situation where you can plug and play, and she can definitely be a formidable threat. But honestly, this was not to get 
a 15-minute match out here no. because there's no storyline behind it. And, and that's the thing. I know people were like griping, oh, they buried an Italian. They made an Italian look shitty. I mean, come on. She was rated, and I'm looking at some of the accolades on her Wikipedia page, so I don't have all of these off the top of my head. But, you know, she was ranked number 11 in the top 30 female wrestlers in 2018 on, via Sports Illustrated. Uh, for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, she was ranked number four of the top 50 female wrestlers in the PWI Female 50 in 2011. Ranked 66 of the top 50 female wrestlers in PWI Women's 150 in 2021. And then she was ranked number 28 of the top 50 tag teams in the PWI Tag Team 50 in 2021. That was when she was with Tamina. Mm-hmm. And then just for her accolades in WWE, she's a one-time Divas champion, a one-time SmackDown Women's champion, a one-time uh, Women's Tag Team champion, and, and then she was ranked number 20 of the top 50 greatest female uh, superstars of all time uh, of via WWE. Uh, that was in 2021. So, like, her her record speaks for itself and just everything she means. Plus, for people saying, oh, they buried her, oh, they made her look like she I think this matchup was made with, like, a week or two of storyline. That like there was there was no buildup for this. There was no like oh Natalia went went through a gauntlet match of like every every female superstar on Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and earned a shot at, at, at Rhea Ripley or oh she got beaten relentlessly by Rhea week after week after week and she finally snapped and had enough and Adam Pierce get no like literally she I think Rhea interfered in a match she was in and Natalia went essentially hey i don't appreciate that let's have a match and they had a match yeah like there there this wasn't going to be a long match there was no setup for it exactly and i know a lot of people were losing their mind about this about the time frame and that's why i mentioned and said in comparison to AEW yeah so if you want to have that argument you have to call it down the middle i'm sorry folks this match did what it needed to do yeah it was highlight ria yeah and it and especially natalia is in a position much like a Titus O'Neil, so to speak. Yeah. That she doesn't need to be in a program. You can put her in one. Plug and play. Yeah. Or Dolph Ziggler is a better yes, one, too. Yes. Yes. Like they did last night. With yeah. Dolph. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you you, can plug and play. And she's such an ambassador to the brand that, yeah, for her to go over to Saudi Arabia is a big deal, too. And that's mm-hmm. a, it's a reward to her because of all the work she's done. Like she is on that Titus O'Neil level for like charity work and such. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, it was, a, it was a kudos. And like I say, for everybody that's freaking out about the time period of it. Yeah. Step back. It's, there's nothing wrong with a squash match in this situation because maybe if they really if WWE really wanted to go to it, sure, they could have Natalia have like a comeback story, sure, and face Rhea at another pay per view if they really want to press it, sure. Otherwise, they're gonna. It was just a. It was a something to. Buy some time until we establish Rhea's sure. next contender. I mean, you look at some of the other matches. Seth and AJ built up over weeks because of the tournament. Yeah, Trish and Becky built over the months. Of storyline buildup, you know, Oscar and Bianca. That's a rematch from WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You know, this one it was a it was I can't remember exactly when they set up. It was at least last the week prior, if not two weeks prior. So if you're going on a two week story buildup from less than five minutes of buildup, and you're expecting a 15 minute plus minute match, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and then next up was the co-main event of the evening in which you had Brock Lesnar defeated Cody Rhodes by technical submission in that Cody Rhodes passed the fuck out mm-hmm. uh, in nine minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, this match did not go the way I thought it would. I was on record saying I thought Brock was going to squash the ever-living fuck out of Cody, which kind of did for a little bit. And then Cody was like, oh, I can use my cast as a weapon and then started beating the holy hell out of Brock Lesnar, made a fight out of it, thought he was going to get it, and then he passed out from the Kimura. Yeah, this match went a little differently than I thought, but the ending was still the same. Yeah. Brock got his win back. Yeah. And Cody passed out due to pain. Yeah. Now, this is very normal. Oh, yeah. 
in MMA. Yeah. So for anybody that was complaining about the finish, stop. What do people think when somebody get, when a boxer gets punched in the head or a UFC fighter gets kicked in the head that the like the fight other fighter hits a magical off switch and you just go to sleep? Exactly. No, that's the body going, "Yo, you're in danger. Go to sleep." Mm-hmm. Recovery mode. Perfect perfect example is a liver kick. Yeah. That your body just shuts down. You're, you're, yeah, your body's like, yo, you're done. Yeah, because it's too overwhelmed with pain. Yeah. And the comparison was made on 607TWS as well, too. This is how Stone Cold lost to Bret Hart. Yes. He passed out from pain in the sharpshooter. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Different move, different time period. Yeah. Deal with it, folks. Yeah. Because now it sets up Cody's open challenge he has thrown down to Brock. And they did not specify when that would take place. No, and I love that they didn't specify. Uh, I, I did too. Very open-ended. Yes, because I fully am banking that we're going to see Hell in a Cell at SummerSlam. I, I think you're right. I think what's going to happen is because the, they started the qualifying matches for the Money in the Bank uh, tournament on Monday Night Raw. And you had Ricochet and Shinsuke, Shinsuke qualify. There's still, I believe it's like four... Uh, four more spots are still open. Mm. So presumably you're going to have three raw because there's six spots total. So you're just going to have three raw, three SmackDown. So there's still one raw spot open. What I'm thinking is going to happen is Cody's going to get one of the spots and then Brock's going to come in, interfere in the match and cause kind of like Bray did a couple years ago with Roman yeah. in, the, in the Money in the Bank match. Caused Cody from getting the match and just look at him and go, I accept your challenge. Yeah. I could see that fully happening, too, but I think the match is going to be at SummerSlam. I don't think it's oh, going to be at Money in the Bank. No, no, I do, too. That's why I'm saying Cody's going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Brock's going to come out, interfere, cost Cody. Like Cody, it, It's going to be a similar spot to what Bray did to Roman a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where Roman was climbing the ladder, and then the lights went out, came out, and there was Bray, and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Bray. I think the same thing's going to happen, which, side note, saw this on Reddit today. If Brock Lesnar shows up at Money in the Bank, that will be his sixth consecutive pay-per-view premium live event he's worked which if you'd have told me that five six years ago i'd have said you're nuts oh yeah well that's the whole point it goes back to what we were talking about with trish they're having fun yeah and for anybody that's complaining about the locker room morale and 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 vince is still booking and all that jazz please if you're seeing brock show up for pay-per-views now multiple multiple not taking his usual uh spring slash early summer sabbatical like yeah he, like he used to because remember when he won when he uh what was it the, uh, seth beat him for the title at wrestlemania what was it 31 mm-hmm. and, and then he took off until SummerSlam. yeah yeah folks he took off from like april or may until august yeah he's not doing that he likes being at work and like i say the the morale over there right now is not the worst no it's trust not trust me so the fact that Brock is working these multiple days, yeah, I don't doubt we see him cost Cody money in the bank or at least do something there and sends the message because I fully think that we're getting this at SummerSlam, which is perfect because no, they're setting up a lot for SummerSlam, including the fallout from the next match we're going to talk about. Yeah, so this was the main event. This was a tag team matchup for the WWE Undisputed uh, Tag Team Championships where you had your champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending against the Bloodline in Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa with uh, the wise man Paul Heyman in their corner. Uh, And through a lot of shenanigans and a lot of uh, chicanery and a little bit of help, uh, you had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn emerge victorious, beating the Bloodline via pinfall in 26 minutes and 25 seconds. And all I have to say about this match, fucking chef's kiss. Yes. Holy fuck, this matchup was good. The best storyline in all of pro wrestling continues to impress. Bar none. 
and you can't say anything else in pro wrestling is touching this right now. Hell, there's some TV shows that aren't even as close as this. Yes. Just putting this out there. It's not a slam on anybody. It is just the honest-to-God fact. You want to talk long-term booking. You want to talk about extending the story and really keeping an audience locked in. Mm-hmm. Roman's in a tag match. Yeah. And yet we still get the surprise ending that we are mm-hmm. all have been kind of thinking we were going to get. Albeit, though, surprised it was Jimmy. Yes. No, the, mat, the match was good because you had it go through. Uh, there was the obvious rough bump, the, the, the typical rough bump when it comes to the bloodline matches. Uh, you're going to get at least one of those. Rough gets bumped. Uh, so they started attacking. So Kevin Owens starts getting attacked by the Usos at, at ringside. They literally bury him under one of the ta- one of the announce tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then they go back in the ring to attack Sami Zayn. Which got to say, how awesome was it for Sami? Was it for Sami Zayn to come out? You know, first time in quite because I, I think I read the last time he was in Saudi Arabia was for a house show in 2014. You know, so it, it's been a hot minute since he's been, since he's wrestled there. You know, but going after everything that's happened, you know, with the plot, politics and everything else, which that's a whole other podcast mm-hmm. that we're not even going to get into. Right. But for him to come out there in the traditional garb, you know, give the announcements, you know, take the mic and give the announcements for him and Kevin Owens in Arabic, you know, to, to the pop of the the pop of the crowd. Holy hell. And if you haven't seen it, there's a video floating around of his wife and his kid watching the entrance f- yes. from their home in Montreal or wherever it is. They yeah, did. yeah, it was Montreal. Oh, my God. That video is incredible if you haven't seen it. No, this, this matchup had all sorts of awesome. But so you had the, the ref bump. Kevin Owens gets taken out. Usos go back in the ring. One super kick to Sami Zayn. Another super kick to Sami Zayn. They go for the dreaded double super kick to Sami Zayn. At this point, Sami Zayn comes too. Drops. Super kick solo. Drops solo Sokoa. At this point, Romans come too. Mm-hmm. Roman looks up in the ring and goes, the fuck? Yeah. You just showed up and kicked Solo Sokoa. So he starts accosting the Usos. He goes to Jimmy and goes, there's there's no more day one. Ain't no more day one. You guys are done. And then he looks at uh, Jay, get out of my ring. Get out of my ring. You guys are done. Stop touching me. And there's one key element that people didn't catch. Yeah. When he starts yelling at Jay. Yeah. And Jay starts talking back to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call him Roman. No. He calls him Joe. He said Joe. His real name. Yeah, Mike's caught that. Which that's a subtle thing. Uh huh. But that could have been a it could have been a Freudian slip. But I'm thinking no. I no. I think that he was really trying to sell the point of trying that Roman is now lost in Roman's character because because it's quote unquote kayfabe. We know he's Joe. He he said his name is Joe when he left for his battle with leukemia. Yeah. You know, so so Rowan comes in. There's no more day one. There's no more day one. Shoves Jimmy. So Jay goes, yeah, oos, oos. We, it's okay. We got this. You know, we're sorry. Why, why are you touching me? Mm-hmm. Stop touching me. Get out of my ring. He turns around, eats a super kick from Jimmy. Yeah. And Jay looks at him and goes, what did you do? What? Why? What? What? Are you, what's going on? And Jimmy looks at him, and, and I agree with what Rich said on 6072WS, line of the night. I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. Gives him another super kick. The coldest moment of the weekend. The super kick heard around the world. Damn, I love this. This is, it's cinema. It is. You can't say it's not. Even if you don't like WWE, you have to admit this is cinema. It is. And just how they played it out, Roman's taken out. Solo is hit with everybody's finisher as well. Uh Uh-huh. Kevin and Sammy retain. Yep. 
crowd loses their minds. Oh, yeah. The bloodline is in fractures. Oh, yeah. Friday night became must-watch TV because now everybody's waiting to see how Roman handles this. Because the only advertisement they gave for SmackDown on Raw this week, or last night, was how it's going to be the 1,000-day celebration for Roman Reigns. Um, He thinks he's not going to be entirely happy. No. He's going to be real pissed off. No, and in fact, I think that we get the announcement for Money in the Bank of the Usos versus Roman and Solo. I, th- I think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be the case of, you know, he had Paul Heyman pull the strings to make the matchup happen, and it's going to be punishment. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, too. I'm going to throw a little curveball in here. Okay. So if we get that match. Sure. I'm going to say whoever wins Money in the Bank might try cashing in on Roman that night, and they're going to lose. I could see it. I'm going to put that out there right now. I could see it. I don't know who it's going to be unless, of course, it's L.A. Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's L.A. Knight, he's not going to do it. But if it's anybody other than L.A. Knight, if it's a face, I'll yeah. put it this way. Yeah. They they might try cashing in at the end of the night. Yeah. Yeah. Which would, I, I could see it. it would, which would be amazing because and because I know another thing I'm hearing online is, well, Roman hasn't defended the belt. Okay, who are you going to put in a program right now with Roman? Also, the stipulation is is uh, they only take the belt off of him if he medically can't compete. Mm-hmm. He can medically compete, just they haven't given him anybody to face. Yeah, because I think, obviously, there's a couple contenders right now they can do. Yeah, AJ Styles is one. Yeah, that's one. Which would make yeah. logical sense if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. But I could also see them waiting to see about Drew McIntyre's status. Well, it, he's on Raw, though. Right, but our oh, that's right. He did get traded. He's on raw. The only one that's coming to mind is I. They planted the seed a while ago. Is maybe Karrion Cross? Yeah, because there was a moment, and this had to have been maybe like a year ago, where Roman was in the ring. Karrion Cross came, or Scar- I think it was. I don't it was even, Scarlet. It was Scarlet. I don't think Karrion came out. It was Scarlet. Karrion's wife came out, put the hourglass in the ring, flipped it upside down. I was like, oh, your time's, your time's almost up, tick-tock. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing ever came of it. So I think if they wanted to do something, because I, I agree with you, I think it's going to be the tag match with the Usos at Money in the Bank. But I think after that, if you want to give Roman a, a matchup for whatever pay-per-view comes up after that, you know, I, I maybe carrying Cross. No, I think for SummerSlam, I think he's going to fight both Usos. Oh, that could be. Both at once. Ooh, handicap match. Yep. Ooh. And whoever beats him takes the title. Like, but it, it's like I could see that. Originally, I thought it was supposed to be him and versus Jay, but I don't think so. I think they're going to include Jimmy now. Because yeah, you you have to do you'd have to do a handicap match because if you do a triple threat, well then you could see the Usos try to do some sort of WCW finish where one the one Uso just lays in the ring. Like they both knock Roman out of the ring. One lays in the ring, the other one just steps on stands on him for the pen. There's going to be a lot of storylines coming out of this Friday. So SmackDown has just turned into must-see TV. Monday Night Raw was was a, was a great show from yeah. Albany. Uh, Kevin Owens meltdowns. Oh, my God. The Kevin Owens freak out was probably my favorite part of the night. Yeah. They're they're having their moment in the ring. Uh, Imperium music hits, and, he, and Kevin Owens just starts freaking out about how they broke the unwritten rule that, like, you're not supposed to come out until we say your name, and we never said your name, so why are you coming out? And he just starts going off and off and off. And Sami Zayn is the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Loved everything about it. And then they wanted uh, Chad Gable to do say the, say the thing. Say the thing you do with the funny voice. Say it. Oh, thank you. And he goes, oh, he said it. Yeah. Can we get those two on commentary more? Yeah, no, it, it was perfect because, I mean, everybody's just flying back now from Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia. So I they were going to just not – I wasn't going to say mail it in on the show, but they were going to have some fun. Like it wasn't yeah. going to be a, a more serious Monday Night Raw. The yeah. fans were definitely eating it up, so everybody got their money's worth. Yeah. So for now, 
we head into SmackDown, which like I says must see TV. Mm-hmm. Next week's Monday Night Raw is when things pick back up storyline wise. Yeah, because they've got a couple of women's qualifying matches uh, for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I forget what they are, uh, but there's at least two matches announced for that next week. One of them is I know Becky Lynch versus I think Zoe Stark. No, no, it's not Zoe. It's uh, Sonya Deville, I think. So that's right, Sonya Deville. Zoe Stark is involved in the other. Women's Money in the Bank ladder qualifying matchup. Yeah. So there's two of those announced. Uh, also, rumors abounding uh, that we will see a certain former NXT Tag Team Championship uh, team reunited on the main roster once uh, one half of that team returns. The greatest theme music of all time. Uh-huh, which I kind of hope we get again, but I'll understand it if we don't. Yeah. But that wasn't the only WWE action to go on because on Sunday yeah. was one of the most... I'm going to say underrated cards of the year. Top to bottom, very good card. If anybody is not watching the WWE developmental NXT for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you need to start. They're putting on some really good programming. Yes, they are. And for anybody that's too worried about the Vince era and, well, Triple H isn't there anymore, Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels has merged those eras into making it some really compelling television oh i agree 100 percent. so let's go break down nxt battleground which took place from lowell massachusetts this past week yeah so the first matchup on the card was the triple threat match for the nxt north american championship where you had your champion wesley take on tyler Bate and joe gacy uh, and you had wesley emerge victorious winning via pinfall in 11 minutes and 59 seconds one of the best open door challenges going on in wrestling right now. Wesley mm-hmm. retains. I was thinking they were going to make the switch to Joe Gacy, but they did not. I was hoping that. No, but I I, I feel that the tenure is going to run out sooner than later. It's not that Wesley's story is getting stale by any means. Sure. But I think to make that title very compelling, you got to switch it up at some point. Yeah, it's it's kind of approaching that like Bianca level for me where it's like, okay, who have you got left to face? Yeah. You know, so I, th- I think the switch is going to come. And especially when it's open challenge. Like, yeah. That's one thing. It's, it, it's, it yeah. helps and it hurts. Yeah, it does. Uh, next matchup was the British Round Rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup, uh, where you had Noam Dar defended the Heritage Cup going up against uh, Dragon Lee, uh, and you had Noam Dar defeat Dragon Lee in five rounds uh, or 11 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, rules for this aside, because I feel like the rules and everything and the nonsense with the British Round Rules took it away from that, actually, mm-hmm. made it a little confusing, but in terms of the in ring stuff, was really awesome. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the rounds. I've not never, I've never been. Uh, no matter when they've appeared in matches, I think it. it, it right. It, it just it takes the flow out of the match. It, well, it does because there was one point in the middle, middle of this. I don't remember what round it was, but like whatever it was for the rules, one of them got fulfilled and the round was over. And Dragon Lee was like bouncing off one of the ropes, going to do a move, and they're like, and the ref's like, nope, nope, no, no, round's over. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Super confusing, but the the in-ring work, though, phenomenal, though. Yeah. Uh, next up was the, god damn it, I hope you had a mouth guard for this match, uh, the last man standing match where you had Ilya Dragunov defeat Dijak in 15 minutes and 54 seconds. God damn. Dragunov is no joke. Oh. I love this match. This match was awesome. Him and Dijak. I, I'm, first and foremost, I am super ecstatic to see Dijak is getting real solid matches yes. in NXT. Yes. I know the, the tenure as T-Bar did not go over super well on the main roster. To be fair, I don't think Retribution helped anybody's tenure. No, except Slapjack. Yeah, that's true. The legend. But 
I fully think him and NXT with this new gimmick, it's it's starting to get over a little bit. And especially if you can recreate the magic Dragunov had with Walter mm-hmm. to certain degrees. You're, I mean, you're never going to have that ideal dance partner. That was lightning in a bottle. Right. I mean, the same thing can be said with uh, Keith Lee and Dijak. Yes. The fact that they can pair up now, put on this hard-hitting story, and you have fans now wanting to see this ran back. Mm-hmm. And I fully think before one of them goes to the main roster, yeah. we are going to see it ran back. Yeah, I mean, it's just true. T- it's telling of just how well they connected with the audience on this level. So I love seeing this. Oh, I, I would do this. That would be awesome to see. Uh, next up was the tag team match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And you had the team in Gallus, that being Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Uh, with Joe Coffey in their corner, defend their belts against the Creed brothers and Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, who had Ivy Nile at their in their corner. Uh, so the Gallus won via pinfall in nine minutes and thirty three seconds. Solid tag team match. Yeah, can't complain about well, either. Was team. what it needed to be. Yeah. Uh, and then in your co-main event of the evening, this was the tournament final for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. You had Tiffany Stratton defeat Lyra Valkyria via pinfall to become your and new NXT Women's Champion. Huge Tiffany Stratton fan. I'm loving the work in the ring. Yeah, she is going to be the next Mandy Rose in the ring. Yes. Like I say, there's a lot of similarities of just how how they started to where they are now. That's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Stratton is putting in a lot of the work, too. She's not a finished product by any means. No. But much like when Mandy returned to NXT, she was putting in work and she was getting to that superstar level. Mm-hmm. I see that Stratton is on that same route. Go back and look at some of the first vignettes they did when she was getting ready to be introduced to NXT. And it was, oh, I'm the daddy's girl. Yeah, yeah. Daddy bought me everything. Daddy got me this. Daddy got me that. And then you look at the character now. Yeah. I'll be honest. When she when they first did the vignettes, I didn't care. I mm-hmm. was like, eh, whatever. Okay, sure. This character now, though, I'm like, okay, she's a threat and I'm here for it. Yeah, and especially the BME she does. Yes. Best moonsault ever. The like I said, her and Lyra put on a great match. Like they did. Lyra, I, I think it's uh, is being overshadowed by Tiffany's win, but she put on some solid work too. So yeah. this is definitely going to get ran back sometime. I do think that doing the switch here makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. just because I feel they're going to call up Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade to the main roster sooner than later. Probably, I'd say maybe by SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I at, at this stage, I'm just happy to see that Perez doesn't have the belt. Yeah. Not to say yeah. she was a bad champion. But you kind of fall in that vein of, okay, she's always has the belt. She's always around the title. Mm-hmm. She's had it for so long here. Yeah. Let's give somebody else a chance to run yeah. with it. And especially, yeah. I'm interested to see where Stratton goes with this. Sure. I think she has a very, very high ceiling. And with the women's division reloading right now, it's a perfect time for her to test out the belt and see what she's got. I, I could see them maybe calling off Cora or Roxanne uh, for like a SummerSlam matchup, tag, tagging with Becky. Mm-hmm. That like, let's just say we get another matchup at Money in the Bank or, or whatever with, with uh, Becky and Trish. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, Zoe Stark comes in again and, and Becky goes, you know what? I'm tired of, uh, of you guys getting the one up on me. I want another match, but I want a tag match. Oh, well, you need a partner. who? Because you notice with Raw... When she was getting beat down, nobody came out to help her yep. on Monday Night Raw. I could see them calling up Cora, Roxanne, whoever you want to call up, and, and have her, her team with Becky into a tag match at SummerSlam. I think Roxanne would be the would be the smarter play there. Sure. I think Cora works well as a heel. Okay. That more so than as a face because I – but I also think, though, she needs a little more character work down in NXT. Sure. Because like, her and Roxanne have been the fight forever there for so long. Yeah. 
that I think that she needs to establish herself. I mean, much as the same thing, but at least we're getting the blow-off match uh, this coming uh, week on NXT between yeah. Gigi Dolan and JC. The weaponized cage match. Yeah, which is going to be absolutely banana. So <laughs> oh, make yeah, sure whenever you hear this to catch that match as soon as you can. But it's almost in that same vein. Like, you need to separate them, and you need to establish their characters a little more. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think if you did that with Roxanne, with Becky, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. Mm-hmm. More so than Cora, because I because I don't know how Cora is going to come on the main roster just because she's been a heel for so long now. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see that. Uh, and then your main event was Carmelo Hayes defending his NXT championship against Braun Breaker. Uh, and you had Carmelo Hayes emerge victorious, winning via pinfall in 14 minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, the goddamn spear Braun yes. Breaker hit on Carmelo Hayes. Holy fuck. Yeah, these two really are embracing the spotlight they're in. Braun is a heel works yeah so much better than him as a face and carmelo has stepped up and now these champion he's taken it to another level yeah he has everything about this match was big win big win obviously we're not done just yet i don't think between them no we'll see but we'll see because obviously this week on nxt i think we might have a new contender step up which is good yeah because i'd like to see braun do something else yeah i would too I mean, personally, I'd like to see him versus uh, Dragunov. Ooh. I think that would be a real fun feud. That'd be good. Feud. That'd um, be good. I'm going to need to wear more mouth guards, though, as <laughs> oh, I watch that match. Though. Bring the aspirin. Absolutely. But that being said, a lot of pro wrestling action going on this weekend. Like I said, we dived into the WWE side of things. There was AEW's Double or Nothing. There was... Impact under Siege. There was GCW this week. A lot of pro wrestling. So if you want to catch up on more of that, like I say, 607TWS on all your favorite podcast providers. And I'd almost be remiss that we got to say congratulations to Alexa Bliss. Yes, Alexa Bliss and her husband uh, of singer-songwriter Ryan Cabrera announcing uh, they're expecting their first child. Yeah, so congratulations to them. That's a good way to end this segment on, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and to Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte, too. Yes. Congratulations to them. Yeah. Congratulations to them, too. Like I say, a lot of news going on in pro wrestling, but we're talking the WWE here on the ODPH, so give us your thoughts about Night of Champions, how you think the fallout's going to be from there. NXT Battleground, what did you think of the event, and are you checking out NXT now? I think a lot of fans are swaying back over, so we have a lot of pro wrestling to talk about, so let's make sure we do it, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dufford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little local minute, uh, obviously, of which the middle where you're in the, kind of the early throws of the uh, minor league baseball season. We did just pass Memorial Day, so that's kind of like the first corner uh, post we're passing if you're if you're talking like horse racing here. So we're just about a little bit into the season. Uh, so looking at the Rumble Pony schedule from the last week, they were at home all week playing the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Yes, folks, that is their actual, <laughs> their actual name. Kills me every time. It does. Uh, so they had their game on Tuesday, the 23rd where they won by the final score of 8-6, to six, came back and lost on uh, Wednesday by the final score of 7-2, to two, won on Thursday by the final score of 2-1, to one, won on Friday by the final score of 7-2, to two, won on Saturday by the final score of 7-4, to four, and then they won again on Sunday by the final score of 10-9, to nine, so not a bad week for them. Uh, they are on the road this week, however. They're playing Altoona so they're this uh, Tuesday on the 30th. They're playing at 6 o'clock Eastern, the same time on Wednesday the 31st, 6 o'clock Eastern. Uh, then you've got uh, Thursday the 1st of June where they're playing at what time, Ken? 
6 o'clock Eastern. Uh, Friday, they're playing at? 6 o'clock? Yes. Uh, Saturday, they're playing at? 6 o'clock? Altoona's real original with their start times. I was going to say, you were throwing me off there for a second. I'm like, wait a sec. Who starts at 6? Uh, apparently, Altoona does, uh, although there is a little change. Uh, Sunday, June the 4th, they're playing at 1 o'clock. Uh, and then they're on the road the following week. The Roman Ponies return home for a uh, series against the Portland Sea Dogs. That is the double A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox on June 13th. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, you can go to bingrp.com. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit of baseball. Well, first, I've got to mention a little soccer. The uh, English Premier League season is over. Congratulations to Manchester City for winning the title. Uh, my favorite team, Liverpool, uh, finished fifth, so they're going to play in the Europa League next year. So it's going to be fun to see uh, them give them a full season, a full season of watch. Uh, so definitely kudos to Manchester City for winning the whole thing. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, excited to give it another full season. Uh, and then got to mention some Major League Baseball because there's two awesome stories going on with, with Major League Baseball okay. last night. None of which are Yankees related. Although, hey, Aaron Judge, two home runs. All rise. Plus a uh, robbery home run. Although I hate when they play on the West Coast because it's fucking 10 o'clock when they play out here. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, so the one of which took place in Houston, which I do got to give Houston a little bit of credit. Those Houston uh, NASA jerseys are awesome. I got to give you the Astros credit on that. Those if those orange and blue jerseys, they're they're cool. I'm writing this down. Pat is giving Houston credit. Yeah, I give him credit on the those uniforms. Those jerseys, though, I'm emphasizing. Those jerseys are nice. Uh, but in the Houston Astros game against the Minnesota Twins last night, there was a uh, particular return, uh, and that was for Royce Lewis. Uh, so this was uh, his first game since he tore his uh, ACL for the second time uh, in his career. He tore it once in uh, 2021. Uh, came back in 2022, played maybe about a month month's worth of games, tore it a second time. Jesus. Yeah, so tore it in consecutive years, uh, made his return, and on the first anniversary of his second injury, literally to that day, tore his, of his second ACL injury, came back, played in Houston, first at bat. You can look up the video, folks. I'm not lying Home to you. Home run? Home run. Oh, man. Dude got up there, hit a home run, didn't realize it until he rounded second base because he was sprinting. Uh, and then he, and then somebody's like, yo, dude, you can slow down. It went off the foul pole. You're, you're good. Uh, so that was awesome. So kudos to him. Uh, helped the Astros get a 7-5 win over the Houston Asterisks. So definitely get, kudos to him. That's that's awesome. And, and coming back from back-to-back ACL injuries. That's yikes. wild. I mean, yeah. uh, I know when athletes do that, I mean, that's so crazy to hear. I mean, how committed you are to coming back and return mm-hmm. from the sport, especially – like I say, that is a devastating injury, but mm-hmm. kudos to him on that. Jeez. And then a special kudos and shout-outs to Chicago White Sox reliever Liam Hendricks, uh, who came back last night after a uh, his first outing since fighting and recovering from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he pitched uh, two in, he allowed two runs on three hits and a walk uh, in his return against the Los Angeles Angels on Monday. Uh, he got a bunch of standing ovations, and, and deservedly so. Rightfully so, Rightfully yeah. so. The dude beat cancer. Uh, he said, quote, it was definitely emotional. It was humbling going out there and seeing the amount of people wearing my shirts, the amount of people having signs or flags or anything like that, the amount of people that were chanting when I when I came up into the game, close quote. Uh, so, hey, kudos to him and, and kudos to you for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, beating cancer because, hey, as we've said before, we'll say again, fuck Fuck cancer. cancer. No, that's an, that's an amazing story. So yeah. kudos to him on that one. Yeah. Uh, for me, just two quick ones uh, tonight as we record. Returning to Vice. Yeah. One of the most interesting shows of all pro wrestling history. Oh, yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. 
So if you're not familiar with this, this is the documentary series that Vice runs showcasing the not-so-great side of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they're very honest and very upfront about it. They they call it pretty much right down the middle. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about them when they do this. Yep. Uh, they're going to be focusing on wrestler stories and uh, just like some of the most legendary performers and incidents in all of wrestling's history. Yeah. So they're kicking off tonight talking about Chris Candido and Tammy Stitch, uh, who you know uh, is Sonny when her time in the WWE and Candido, longtime WWE performer, ECW performer, and their whole story. So mm-hmm. this season, I mean, if it's anything like any past season, it's must-watch TV if you're a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. And if you're not a wrestling fan, you still want to tune in because you're going to see some of the, like I say, Interesting is not doing it enough justice. Uh, so I've got the list of the other. So it's a 10-episode season. Uh, starts tonight, as you mentioned. And like you said, the first episode is Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny. Uh, the other episodes they're doing, and I'm reading this off of an article from digitalspy.com. Uh, so no, another one of the episodes, Magnum TA. That'll be an interesting story, yeah, with him. Adrian Adonis. Another one. Doink the Clown. Oh, okay. The Junkyard Dog. All right. Marty Jannetty. That is going to be the 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 wildest one of the season. I'm already going to tell you right now. Well, hold on. Bam Bam Bigelow. Okay. Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, all right. The Graham Family. Okay. And WCW Bash at the Beach 2000. I still stand by it. Jannetty's is going to be okay. the most batshit crazy episode of the season. Um. But all of them are really going to be interesting. I mean, legendary performers on that list, too. Yeah. WCW Bash of the Beach is going to be a wild one. <laughs> there are going to be some stories, and I wonder if people are going to start saying some stuff. Because they're, yeah. they're getting a little more vocal these days because, uh, what was it? They did the A&E uh, WWE documentary for NWO. Yeah. And, and you finally had Eric Bischoff tell the story with like some of the stuff going on there where it's been kind of like, oh, who did what, who called what, and some stuff. They're finally willing to spill some secrets. So we'll see what gets spilled this with this. Oh, I can imagine the, the WCW one will be one that's going to be remembered uh-huh. this season. The Marty Jannetty one is going to be the one everybody talks about this season. Like, there's always one every yeah. season. Yeah. Like, last year was New Jack. Oh, yeah. And then, um, I mean, there's been so many throughout the years. And like I say, they did, they did a two-part episode on uh, Chris Benoit. Yep. Which I'm, went very in-depth. Yeah. I mean, like I say, they do not hide anything. They get as many interviews as they can. Um, and, they, and they present it very forward. Like, the, the I, don't, I don't feel there's ever too much of an angle on it. No. In, in comparison to some other, you know, documentaries I've seen. I this is just my opinion. I, I feel that they cut it pre- oh, yeah. pretty yeah. pretty straightforward. Yeah, and like I say, they're not afraid to deep dive on stories. I mean, uh, last year they did the plane ride from hell. Oh yeah, which there was some ramifications to a few people. Yeah, you know this year or yeah. after the episode from it, and like I say, so if you are into pro wrestling, it's a must watch. If you are a casual fan and you're into like the true crime uh, documentaries, mm-hmm. this might be up your alley too. If you're into batch of crazy train wrecks, uh, season three they did one on the collision in Korea. Yep, yeah. Like I say, they're not afraid to go places with the stories they cover, yeah. and and like I say, it's always very very well done. I'm excited to see the debut tonight, so definitely we probably will be talking about it in some capacity on next week's show. Got to imagine probably being one shots, but we'll still be talking about it. Mm-hmm. But last but not least. We also have a show returning to ESPN Plus, and this is one that really put the UFC on the map, mm-hmm. and that is the Ultimate Fighter. Uh-huh. 
So if you're not familiar with The Ultimate Fighter, it is the show that kicked off the UFC's run in pop culture where they bring on amateur fighters, unsigned talent, to compete for a six-figure contract in the UFC. Mm -hmm. And the show, which is crazy to think, has been on since 2005. Uh, This will be the 31st season. Mm -hmm. Has put on many, many contenders in... The UFC, uh, they've made some very legendary stars of the next generation. Mm-hmm. Because when it started out, nobody really knew what to expect. No. I mean, you started off with great coaches like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. Sure. And on that class, and season one's class is, is like a, almost like a, a who's who of modern-day mm-hmm. MMA. Mm-hmm. And it led to one of the most legendary fights in UFC history. Some say it's the greatest of all time. I personally don't. It's in my top five, though. Mm-hmm. And that's Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin. Oh, one. yeah, yeah. And I, I will never forget where I was when I watched that. I was living over on the uh, west side of Binghamton. Mm-hmm. And in my apartment, I'm watching... And a lot, a few other fans were watching too at the time, and like you know, yeah. and all of a sudden you're seeing my phone blow up, their phones blow up, yeah. And everybody's like, "Are you watching this? Like, what is this fight on TV?" Because they aired the finale on Spike at the mm, time, mm-hmm. and how many people literally turned the channel over? You saw this huge rating spike, yeah. Forrest and Stefan both got contracts because, I mean, it went to decision. Forrest won the fight, mm-hmm. but it still it made him a household name in the UFC. It brought in so many different fans. And every season after um, has contributed many stars. Nate Diaz is one yeah. that come out of there. Yeah, some of the fighters that have uh, gotten a produ- been produced out of this, you have Forrest Griffin, Rashad Evans, Michael Bisping, Kamaru Usman, Robert Whitaker, TJ Dillashaw, Thug Rose, Namajunas, uh, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, Diego Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they put on so many of the modern-day legends in, in the sport yeah. that you hear about now. I mean, and they're obviously the torch is getting passed. It's been, th- you know, since 18 years. So trust yeah. me, you've seen fighters start here and end before yeah. the season is kicking off. Yeah. And just those moments that you do, and, and people don't realize, too, the the historic impact of after this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had season four where Matt Sarah won, got a title shot against GSP, yep. and pulled off the biggest upset in UFC history. Yeah, in that match. Yeah. So it's you never know what you're going to expect out of this. It's been kind of uh, a little lackluster over the past couple of years, in my opinion. Like it hasn't yeah. it hasn't generated that big buzz like it used to. Yeah. Um, just because whenever you start dabbling in reality TV you always have to kind of wonder who's being real and who's being a character. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think the show started, and just my opinion, just started seeing happen over the past couple seasons. But now it's almost like a back to basics. We are having two coaches on here that really oh. don't like each other. Nope. One Connor McGregor uh-huh. and one Michael Chandler. Yep. And they will be coaching uh, bantamweights and lightweights. So 135-pounders, 155-pounders. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Pad, you know they're going to be fighting eventually. What do you think the season is going to be like? Uh, I think the season's there's going to be some fireworks just because, hey, let's face it, Conor McGregor is known to bring fireworks, uh, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, wherever he shows up. So I think there's going to, now is it going to be anything to the level of like doors getting broken as, as in seasons past with, with Ultimate Fighter? I don't think so. But there's certainly going to be some fireworks. There's going to be a lot of trash talking. Trash talking is going to be like the main course on, the, on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, th- I think it'll be good. I think, like you said, it'll, it'll be a little bit of back to basics, not so reality drama based. Oh, who hates who? Who don't, you know? Whatever, just back to basics. Show the fights. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because hey, 
two very well-known fighters right now with Connor and then uh, Michael Ch- Michael Chandler. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see it. Do you have a favorite pairing of coaches of all time? Um, not really. I mean, there's there's some that stick out more than others, but I don't think there's anyone that I look at and I go, oh yeah, that that's the one for me. They're all kind of on equal footing. I always love the Tito. Ken Shamrock season. Oh, season, yeah. season three was one of my favorites. But Bisping came out of that one. And obviously, everybody knows I'm a big Bisping mark. So, uh, I mean, that said, there's been so many classic ones. Rampage and Forest oh. is another one with the door, like you yep. mentioned. Yep. Rampage as a coach. Uh, Rampage wanted to apologize to the door, but the door was already gone. Yeah. Him and Rashad Evans when that was uh, going on, too. Like I say, they, they had some really good coaches on throughout the years. They've had some ones that haven't been so great, but... Overall, the premise is very interesting, and you never know what stars are going to come out of this show and yeah. what kind of impact they're going to make on the UFC. I mean, that's the one fun thing about this show. Season 32, Chael Sonnen put it in Brazil. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, the one time he went down there, <laughs> Chael Sonnen has ice in his veins, and everybody know If you go online, you can find the clip of him and um, Vanderlei oh, yeah. down there, which is one of the most scariest but yet awesome clips of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't want you close to me. I don't want you close Vanderlei, stop. <laughs> Just to find that clip online, it's well worth the time. So you definitely want to make sure you set your DVRs for it as you need to. It's going to be on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Nice. So both on both uh, outlets, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday. So whenever you hear this, definitely hit us up and let us know what you thought of the episode. We'll probably be talking about that as well next week, too. Got a lot to talk about next week. But that being said, Pad, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. It's such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Anyone who's worth a damn be worth way more than a picture could ever show. You can find the right light, find the right angle, and never find your soul. And it can feel like a losing battle, and this plot is full of holes. This modern way of finding love just makes me feel so alone. And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up Talk to me time fable everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of so look up talk to me a better way to spend our energy just look up
swiping left and swiping right on people you could know. Whoa, oh, whoa. 